0: welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas pass to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, the Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca. And I'm Zao Wong, Head of
1: Content. In our final holiday bonus episode, we're talking to pioneering Australian designer, creative and member of the Mecca Collectiva, Jenny Key.
0: Jenny so thank you so much Jenny for joining us today we're super excited to have you you are um, an icon. And, you know, I I came over to Australia a year ago and Zara was like, we've got to do something with Jenny. She is just amazing. So we're thrilled to have you on Mecca Talks today. So thank you for joining us, Jenny.
2: Well, hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be talking to you all.
0: <laughs> and today we're going to talk a little bit about, um, obviously, your amazing career, Um, I was actually looking at some of your work earlier and it's just so beautiful and vibrant and really, you know, tells a great story. And and that really links back to a lot of what we've done this year with our holiday um, collaboration with the NGV and the artist Naomi Hobson as well, which is very joyful, colour-based, creative artwork, which Mm -hmm. we're super excited about.
1: And so you're based in Blue Mountains, of course, and your work is so much about, like, the, the natural landscape and flora and fauna. How do you, you know, keep
2: on getting inspired from it day after day? So every day I'm looking at um, an ancient landscape. So, so every day in the morning when I get up and I meditate, I meditate on the beauty of that landscape and I meditate on the beauty of this country and that, you know, that it will stay beautiful. That is my greatest wish. So for me, looking after this beautiful World Heritage area that I live in is is paramount to my life because it feeds me, it informs me, it inspires me, and all the beautiful work that I've ever done comes from this love of nature, the nature of this country. You know, the koalas, the 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 the, the Waratahs, you know, to think that the the koala might be something that you only see in a zoo is is yeah. just a, such a devastating thought, you know, with the bushfires that came. Because along with living in nature, you really are living it. Have you always
0: lived there? I mean, it's such a, um, I mean, Zara was explaining and I haven't, I mean, thanks to the pandemic, haven't been able to explore much of Australia yet. Um, but would love to head your way and kind of explore all of that side of the world and um, or that side of, you know, Australia. And have you always lived there? Or is that somewhere you kind of moved to at a point in time?
2: I, I started living here in 1976. So it actually is 45 years of, of living in this one place um, in, in the blue mountains. And, uh, Mm. you know, I was born at Bondi. So, you know, I had this (gasps) incredible energy of Bondi Mm. and the ocean when it wasn't popular. And, um, so I guess I was born with that, um, that love of nature inside of me, even though I didn't understand that when I was a, a young teenager. Yeah. All I wanted yeah. to do was go to London and uh, and swing <laughs> in the 60s.
0: And you did, right? You went to London and you were swinging in the
2: 60s. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it was just extraordinary because we were selling vintage couture. So when you, you know, had a Scapparelli label in a jacket and you were selling it to Mick Jagger and he was saying, oh, you know, what's this old clobber? Uh, why do I have to pay ten pounds for that? And you know there I am saying, well you know scaparelli labeled.
1: Yeah, it's like a big deal. but I mean now people get so excited about vintage, they know about it, they know you know a beautiful vintage scaparelli, but back then vintage wasn't
2: as didn't have the cachet it had now, did it? No people just I mean now we're going to see the NGV come out with Chanel and the history Mm -hmm. of that but we were wearing old 30 Chanel dresses and there was you know and they might have cost you know 10 pounds or 15 pounds but like nothing but there was the label and and they were they were what is now in museums.
1: Oh don't tell me that that's a that just makes me, like, wish I could buy them all now. But
2: That's it amazing. makes it so exciting because it's something that could never happen now, that you yeah. are actually working in a place and you're dressing up in Fortuny and Poiré and Vienna and Chanel and You You couldn't do that now because everything's in a museum.
0: Yeah, it's true. And did did Mick Jagger buy that piece that you were selling to him in the Chelsea Antique Market? He did. He did. Who else came to see you in that
2: store? Anyone else we would know? Oh, anyone else you would know? Well, would you know Jimi Hendrix? Would you know know, um, all the Beatles? Would you know um, all the Rolling Stones? Because they lived around the corner. So when they were in town on a Saturday afternoon... They would just be like one of the mob because everyone would want to come to the Chelsea Antique Market because we had all these jewel, vintage, fabulous clothes and bell-bottom pants and crushed velvets. We're talking 1967 to the end of 1972.
1: Yeah, Yeah, we can look at it now. We know that you were such a seminal part of fashion history from 1967. At the time, did you know you were making fashion history?
2: No, but yeah. it was like working in a museum called... It, it was like working in a... This was my university of fashion and life. And it yeah. was like working in a museum, but we, we were not. We were wearing what was in the museum. And we, it was just such an incredibly fun time. And, you know, on, exactly. I, I, mean, I remember one day... On This is true. Yal Brynner and Tony Curtis... That's 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 one lot of people walking through the market. Then there was Bob Dylan and Brian Jones. I'm just like got chills, you know? Like how
0: amazing. Well, in the old days you didn't have a camera to take a quick selfie with them as well, right?
2: Well, it's just like it was part of everyday there was there was some amazing celebrity but but we we all just interacted, and you know, and people like Barbara Streisand, who absolutely, you know, Secondhand Rose, her song, that's that's all about vintage, you know, yeah. and and it was just, um, it, look, you can't you can't ever relive that time, and that's what I love about my life is that. You know, I started in Bondi in in Australia in the in you know from 1947 when I was born, went through the 50s, got out of Australia in the 60s, went to London, brought it all back home in 1972, and then started Flamingo Park, which had to be a shop like nothing else because I'd lived yeah. and worked in London, which was like nothing else, and so then to bring it all back home was just like a. I felt it was a big obligation as someone who had seen the things that I'd seen and I wanted Australia to wake up.
0: And Flamingo Park, uh, I'm fascinated by Flamingo Park. Did you have the same sense of that same energy that you created working in London? Did you have that same kind of pull? Did you have lots of interesting characters coming in to see you there?
2: Well, you see, it, it, it sort of all went on because Australia became the place to be for 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 people like me and for all other expatriates who'd come back from london who'd come back from america from new york from from paris you know so many australians came back to be in australia in the 70s and it was the beginning of the film industry really taking off and uh you know all the creatives, and then all, all women. It was big, it, it was the women's movement. So women wanted to be noticed, and so they all would come to Flamingo Park, and it was just like, from from school kids up to you know older women mm-hmm. that have thought, you know, I've got freedom now, and uh, mm-hmm. so everyone wanted to be noticed. So so putting you know huge koalas on knits, and and singing the joy of the country was just something that took off. So we went from London, which was fabulous, and then we ended up here, yeah. and this was just, this was more fabulous because this was our country. It's something that you're, you're, that's your own as
1: well, and I think what's amazing, you see so many people in the creative industries go overseas, stay overseas, stay there many, many years, but you really brought it back and you really want to celebrate what we do here in Australia, the community here
2: and And you know honestly, when I met Linda and that's Linda Jackson, who's just the most wonderful creative designer and a she did she did a thing called Bush couture, which was you know walking through the bush in ball gowns that could take getting dirt on them. <laughs> she just created these beautiful fabrics that you know you could just uh it wouldn't matter if you got ochre on them, it, you know. And this was, the, you know, it was such a unique thing. And me with my knits and my, my, you know, they started as jumpers and then they ended up as these beautiful dresses. And uh, there was, I had a fabulous retrospective at the powerhouse and it really honoured Linda and I work. But the, 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 the joy of creating those knits now, I think, gosh, you know, it was so unselfconscious because I just mm. thought, well winter's coming and um, I've just started the shop so well I'm going to do hand knitted and pure wool and I'm going to put Australian motives on them it was that unselfconscious you see great things don't happen with a great lot of uh, fanfare they actually just happen because they're in your instinct and then and then if you've got an original idea then it just sort of it flows from there and and that's what I sort of that's what I love. Oh, look, that's what I love about my life is it's. I've always sort of been a naive.
0: Hmm. Well, you've just gone with your heart, right? You've gone with where you feel you're, it's going to take you next, and that's been that beautiful journey. And, and Zara did share with me um, before our call with you today an amazing image of a very famous princess, Princess Diana, wearing one of your knits. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how that came about? You
2: know, it also came about because... Um, um Neville ran, who who was um, you know he, who was the premier of New South Wales, his daughter uh, was going over there for the wedding. And so she thought, well, I'm going to Flamingo Park and I'm going to get some knits made. Um, and that's what she did. And uh, it was a kangaroo for Diana and a koala for <laughs> Prince Charles, his being the big bigger <laughs> knit. And that's the knit that she was photographed wearing oh, wow. at the polo match. When she oh, was seven wow. months pregnant with Prince William, but but it was such an iconic image. It sort of just made headlines around the world because she actually loved knit, knitting and she loved uh, she loved unusual knitwear. So this jumper represented something uh, a lot to her because it was was completely you know like you know a, a princess in England wearing a koala. I mean, it just was such a beautiful image. Um, for her being pregnant and um, it, it captured the world's attention and uh, you know, bingo, there there I was, the person who made it and designed it. So I, I, I had a very, yeah. bin- and I actually had dinner with her um, in, in um, Canberra. It was an intimate dinner, it was only about 40 people and we, we sort of talked clothes all night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well Manolo Blanick was a great friend of mine in the early seventies in London and um and you know that was her shoemaker so we, we, we had Manolo in common.
0: <laughs> Brilliant! Wow, I mean, just such iconic moments as well. And you've also collaborated with some other pretty spectacular people over the course of your career, including Carl Lagerfeld. Um, who who how was that? I mean, obviously Carl was a was an icon for you know his whole career.
2: Well, but he was an Brilliant. icon, but he wasn't such as an icon in the early seventies. Um, yeah and uh it was i i think i he yes he wasn't he he, i mean he was always a great designer but his fame you know really as he went in and worked with chanel that's when his really big fame came and um and i was at the forefront of that and um you know i was sitting in la scala with my dear friends anna piaggi and Vern lambert um and and uh Carl came in, we met. I was in a collage of uh, knits and silks and and then he loved the black opal print um, because Anna had featured it in her vanity magazine for you know for um, Italian Vogue. She had a beautiful magazine called Vanity, and he that was featured in that magazine, and he absolutely wanted that print for his very first show with Chanel. And um, 65 Garments came down the catwalk for his first show with Chanel and Black Opal, White Opal was the print theme of the first show that um, he ever did. And it's not so recognised as, you know, for me, it was, you know, such an incredible moment. For him, it was his platform for you know, taking Chanel um, off and into the world, and my God, did he do a wonderful job! You know, and there and there are two moments that happened to me in the early '80s, and uh, they're pretty, they're pretty amazing. But so many other things, but 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 I think they're the sort of, I think Chanel and Princess Di are pretty uh, beautiful. Beautiful things to have as my, uh, what do you call it, as my swan song when I'm not here.
0: <laughs> yeah, just incredible moments to capture and think about and think, you know, when you step back and look at it, now when you think wow i can't i can't actually believe these things happened and at the, mo- at the time you were probably like ah, oh, cool you know that's that's a nice thing to happen but it, when you step back and look at it these are really big kind of moments in history of fashion which is super exciting
2: the biggest moment for me was being able to create um an, a, a, a national style in 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 australian mm. fashion i think that to to sing the joy of this country and not be looking anywhere else and looking at our you know at the beauty that's here and being creative from that I think that's that's the biggest legacy for me but the but the Chanel and the Princess Di I mean I love Princess Di and I love Chanel so you know for me they, they were personally beautiful moments as well
0: yeah you've lived like you have such a busy full life it's
2: quite amazing
0: yeah, and you were inducted into the Design Institute's Hall of Fame. That was also a pretty epic moment, I'm sure, for your career.
2: Well, I think that that was that was that was wonderful. Um, but getting an AO was a beautiful recognition um, of uh, of my work in in loving this country and uh, in design. I think that was that was a that was a big honor to get the AO. But um, look, they're all just AOs and. <laughs> design awards in the end what what matters what matters what do you take with you when you when you're not here creative imprint i suppose isn't it
0: it's like where do you leave, where does your legacy get felt and i think one of the things that i'm fascinated about your work is you are you do really play with color and you do really embrace color and these kind of joyous patterns as well how do you do that in a way which you know, makes sense because lots of people could try that and get it wrong. Like, and do you also have kind of favorite colors and favorite materials and favorite, you know, um, patterns that you
2: love to work in the most? Well, see, the thing is that color with me is instinctive. You know, there's, there's color for me is about optimism. But when I put one mark on the page, I don't think, oh, I've got to do that. I, it, I don't think they see that's the thing I don't think it's all instinct and it's that sort of naive instinct but it's naive but it's sophisticated but it's it's completely instinctive it's a feeling that comes through me and goes onto the page and you know and when I when I see the things that I love which is all the inspiration of of this country whether it's whether it's an echidna or whether it's a, uh, you know, a, a, a really unusual sort of gum leaf, because there's so many different shapes. Um, you, I just sort of go into a. It's all with feeling and instinct. I, I don't think it. You see, I don't think it, because I don't think there are mistakes. You see, but people yeah. think there are.
0: But that's your talent. That's your talent, because you, you can make. You'll never you because you understand that and how it comes together. It won't be a mistake, or you can make it even if it feels like it could go wrong, you craft it in a way and create it in a way which makes it right. And I think that is the ultimate skill. And whereas I would do it and
2: it wouldn't be anywhere near, near what you could I create. I don't believe that, you see. <laughs> I believe that we, we just have to have that confidence. And mm-hmm. that confidence that tells us that we think it's right means that everyone else does. And if they don't, it doesn't matter because you do. And... Um, Look, it's something you can't, you can't learn. It's either in you or you just can't learn that. Mm-hmm. And, and I was blessed with that quality. But I wasn't wet blessed with the quality. I remember in my documentary, because they've just done this big documentary on me, um, which you can watch, actually, on <laughs> ABC iview still. But that documentary, it, it, it's brought up something very poignant. I could not read as a kid, but there wasn't all the labels for everything of being dyslexic or bipolar. I I couldn't... I had all those problems, but there wasn't a name for them. But that's why I ended up using all my instinct. And I just go, oh, Jen, well, you can pray to to be a good reader in, in your next life, but in this life, you were blessed to not be able to do all those things that required a lot of brain power, you worked from instinct. And that is what made me create and do how I do. So you see, there's no accidents in life. You've got so much energy and so much passion.
0: Do you ever think, I'm going to just stop now and just enjoy my meditation? Or are you still thinking every day you wake up with more creative ideas?
2: No, because my, my creative ideas are I'm enjoying my meditation or I'm walking. I have a very, very, very strong physical regime now because I was in that shocking train crash in the granville train crash in 19 19- oh
1: you yeah, wow i that wow i can't I, I didn't realize that
2: yeah so i was and i had a life-death experience so for me i have to keep a very very strong um physical regime otherwise i could be crippled so i swim every day i walk i do my a physio and pilates together and i do yoga every single day and that is a big discipline for me and uh usually it's sort of um it's between three and sometimes it goes a bit longer but I do three hours strong exercise every single day and I have a very um good meditation when I wake up in the morning and and that's what that's what actually gives me all my energy I would love to impress all of you by saying that's what I do because it gives me joy it gives me it keeps me optimistic and as long as my little body can move i'm and i've got this energy i i just i yeah. i feel great i feel so much gratitude to have the the parents that i had to have my darling chinese father to have my italian and anglo-saxon mum cuz they were strong they came from strong genes and they've given me those genes and i i thank them every day i thank my parents i say Thanks, Mum and Dad. I wouldn't be anything without you two. Oh,
0: that's lovely. I love that. And so what will you do? It's obviously kind of getting into holiday season now, and which is always a time of reflection and, and thinking about family, etc. What, what are your plans for um, the sort of festive period?
2: Well, well, this year, actually, we're all going to be in Melbourne. So I've got lots of pools that, um, that, I, that I will want to visit in melbourne because i i don't know whether i'll go down to the coast or what but but um for me summer is about being able to swim in the ocean because actually because i live in the mountains i have to swim in pools so for summer Mm. that's my greatest treat is to be able to swim in the ocean and having
1: grown up in bondi as well you would have definitely grown
2: up doing that no, well, I, I have to swim in Bondi, but I've got lovely friends who come out every year to Palm Beach, so I always stay with them for a little while. So I have a bit of a. I love Palm Beach swimming. I think it's just. And I love walking along the beach in Palm Beach because I don't look behind me. I don't, I'm just looking out. And it just somehow feels so ancient when you look up to the lighthouse. It's just beautiful. Mm. Yeah. So, Amazing. you know. Amazing. Yeah.
0: And what will you be gifting this year, Jenny?
2: Well,. I love Le Labo. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to gift those, the, the, the very expensive one. That's, the, that's my wish list, is that beautiful, expensive Le Labo because they've got all different prices and I just love their scents. Christmas mm. for me is, look, honestly, this is true. Christmas for me, I love to get my, <laughs> my moisturisers. I, I, yeah. I, want, I want to get all the Wren products. I love Wren. I think it's one of the great but I'm loving Charlotte Tilbury. I think oh, she yeah. her, that flawless filter that she does. I've I've I'm wearing that all the time. <laughs> I just no no seriously I love it. You really know your product? No, because because when you when you love something, you remember. And and for me those perfumes in La Labo, I just adore them. And um and I love visiting the um the original shop in um in Melbourne because oh, they yes, make things yes. up for you especially yeah so um that you know christmas for me is always about getting lots of products because that's what yeah, my daughter too. always does she gets me masses and masses of um, well last year it was the mecca athletica and i love it
1: oh i'll pass that oh no that's no that's sorry what 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 do you love from the mecca athletica
2: line i love the moisturizer for my skin it's a, it's, it's good it's really good yeah so that's that's um yeah, but I'll take any any beautiful thick moisturizer because I've got really dry skin because I live in the mountains. Oh yeah, because it could be yeah, it's really drying up there, isn't it? And I love getting paints as well. I love getting pastels and oils and paints. That's that's the other thing that I love getting. So paint
0: for your face and then paint for your canvas as well. That's right. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, um thank you so much. This has been a brilliant conversation today, Jenny. I've I've loved it. I've loved hearing everything about your career. Um and just your energy and vibrancy is intoxicating. So, you've given us a big lift on a on a slightly grey. I oh know it's sunny now. It the sun has come out in Melbourne. It's getting ready for your arrival.
2: <laughs> oh, thanks everyone. Look, I'm I'm really happy to have done this and um Look, I wish you all the best and uh, have a beautiful Christmas and let's hope that we we can get through, you know, being able to live our lives with the pandemic. Exactly. So well said. Thank you, Jenny. Bye, darling. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, Follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review and share this episode with your friends.
1: To stay up to date on what's going on in the Meccaverse, find us on Instagram at, at MechaBeauty or join the conversation in our Mecha Chit Chat Facebook group. You've been listening to Mecha Talks. Thank you for joining us.
0: And I'm on the roll.